This is the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast, episode 57, September 12th, 2023. Today, the Baldies talk about our Baldy of the Week, Brian Erlacher, who was a linebacker for the Chicago Bears for 13 seasons. This day's National Day celebration is National Encouragement Day on September 12th. It's a day dedicated to reminding us the impact that just a simple encouragement can have, speaking encouraging words and kind words to one another. So we encourage all of our baldy buddies to, whether it's on social media or a phone call or a text or in person, uh, be a person who encourages someone else today. We talk about the message at Wyatt Park Christian Church on Sunday, the first in a series called Growing Pains, going through the book of James. Uh, the message, the title of the message was Growing Up Means Growing in Perseverance from James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. At Harvest Evangelical Free Church, we talk a little bit about the message there from Exodus 2, looking at uh, Moses and human identity. The message was preached by Eric Bulger, who is an elder there at the church and the dean of the College of the College of the Ozarks. Thanks again for joining us today, friends. And now let us go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged. So sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. What's up, Baldy buddies, and welcome to episode 57 of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud, and I'm joined by, as always, pastor, scholar, friend, dear husband, father. You do a lot, brother. Ben Hitsfield. Hello. Yes. Welcome. Good to good to see your your shiny head this this morning. And uh, there it is. I got the spotlight going great. Today a little bit on that's, it. That's good. That's awesome. Um, any anything happening this weekend for you? This well, started football season, which is yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, that was good. Um, let me see here. We had uh, the flower farm day out at the oh, that's right. Uh, the Windmeyer's house. So this it's was like a thing in St. Joe now. Yep, this was their third year, and last year they had about four hundred show up with an abbreviated day because the rain came in, 
this year was nothing but sunshine and uh, 80s, low 80s, you know, uh, there wasn't a big breeze. So if you were standing out in the sun, it was a little warm, but it it could have been so much worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was great for the crowds. Um, The counter that we had for the parking was at about 509. And that was probably a conservative estimate. So it was probably mid 500s um, creeping up, maybe even to 600. I don't know. But um, I was uh, yeah. So and this All year, right. you know, we had shifts and stuff. So I was on the first shift for the parking, you know, and like now I'm like starting to take ownership of that. And so I told him, I was like, if you'll let me be like the parking sergeant next next year, like I've had all these ideas for how we can do things. I even told him he needs to cut a new driveway into their field and stuff. You know, So like get an excavator, get there, play around a little bit. So um, and it was just neat. They've made little tweaks here and there and uh, and it just gets better and better. So. Yeah. Any different food trucks this year? Sadly, okay, so what happened, they had some really good food trucks lined up, and uh, two of them backed out. One of them backed out on Friday. I think it was either Thursday or Friday of that week, and they had a signed contract, and it was one of the bigger food trucks in the area. And so um, you know who you are. And <laughs> and so, thankfully, another food truck stepped in last minute, and they did a, they did a great job. And then Adrian's Taco, shout out to Adrian's. Everybody in St. Joe loves Adrian's. They were there, and they were a hit. Legit, yes. So, amen. It was good. What did you guys do this weekend? Uh, we went to Silver Dollar City, so we got season passes. Oh and, yeah, uh, cool man. So, yeah, Sweet. we woke up and. Um, my wife's been a little stressed out, so her uncle uh, okay. moved to town yeah. and uh, just trying to help him out. And he's just in a rough spot because he's got some some health issues, and yeah. it's an, he he left Vermont for the first time in like seventy four years. Mm. So um, she's just like, I need to get out of the house and just be away and do something fun. And so we went to Silver Dollar City and had a blast. I nice. mean, we did Good. all the roller coasters. We did. Um, <laughs> It's interesting. There's been a few fails on the food there um, <laughs> a couple times that I went. So okay. if you go, like, so they, they do this thing where it's like kettle chips. They make their own kettle chips. Okay. And they turn them into nachos. And it sounds like such a great idea. It does. But it is pretty oh, poorly executed. Oh. So uh, here's what you still at our city. Take that great idea and execute. But this time <laughs> around, Asher wanted the, the artisan grilled cheese and... Like you feel like, oh, grilled cheese is something special. It was fantastic. What's it called? So uh, it's an artisan grilled cheese. Oh, okay. So it's just got it. It had uh-huh. like four cheeses on it. And Sarah and I oh. got the one with bacon, I think <laughs> <Nice>. tomato, <laughs> and it had like par- Parmesan and Gruyere. And then we, we split that and did ah. the um, tomato basil soup. Nice. And they killed the, the tomato soup, man. I love it. That was awesome. I love a good tomato soup. So I like if it, if it fall, I mean, it feels weird getting a grilled cheese. I'm like, why why am I doing that? Not doing something special. But it was they they did a good one. Okay, really good one. Okay, so, so there was a fail, but there was also some wins there as well. Yeah, good. yeah. So yeah, that was last time. So this this time, oh, okay. this visit was good food. Good. And we are happy about it. So nice. We'll see. Um, but lots of roller coasters. Be- like the same thing. Low 80s yeah. down here, yeah. and it was just a beautiful day. So sweet. Thanks, Silver Dollar City. We had fun. That's great. Um, <laughs> all right. So speaking of football season, I thought Baldy of the week would yeah. highlight uh, a bald football player. He's a beautiful Baldy, man. Just, I saw a picture <laughs> of him, uh, and we're going to highlight him. Brian Erlacher. Yes. Okay, so he was uh, a football player. He played linebacker for 13 season mm. uh, with the Chicago Bears. 
Um, and when we were growing up, I think he was probably one of the most dominant he defensive was. players there were. Yeah. Mean, he won the Rookie of the Year in 2000, yeah. which is just before we graduated. Right. Um, he was selected to eight Pro Bowls. Mm. I think he did All-Pro four times, uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 2005, mm. and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. Yeah. So like when I think back to defensive players, he's uh, I think of like Reggie White was one of them. Oh, yeah. But as far as linebacker, uh-huh. like Brian Erlacher was the guy that yeah. I loved. Yeah. Um, and he just had that old school mentality and play style. Mm. Um, and so I just thought, who are some of the guys you remember? It's so neat to see the new stars and stuff. But when you were yeah. growing up, who are some of the players, either on offense or defense, that you really remember your childhood? Well, there's um, going back to the 90s. Of course, the Cowboys were were all the rage with their Super Bowls. So Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett mm-hmm. Smith and Barry Sanders. As far as defense, like when I think of like fearsome defense Brian Urlacher's right up there, and I think Ray Lewis is the other one oh, who played yeah. with the Ravens. That dude was a was monster. Savage. Yeah, Reggie White <laughs> too. Was the, uh, that, that yeah, defense was good for Baltimore. Jerome Bettis, you know, playing oh, running bus. back. Yeah, the bust, the dude. Well, I don't know how much he weighed, but he could have been a uh, on the line, either offense or defensive line, you know. So he was always yeah. fun to watch him just bumbling, rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling down the field, you know. Uh, you guys always thought twice about tackling. Oh him. yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and then of course being a Chiefs fan, um, Derek Derek Thomas, Derek which Thomas, you know, yeah. I I feel bad because I was I was a young Chiefs fan at the time, and I didn't I don't I couldn't really appreciate who he was until he passed away. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I would, like I said, I, I, I was a Chiefs fan. We didn't, we didn't get to watch a lot of Chiefs on TV at the time. Um, we just didn't have the best uh, package on, on TV to, to watch. And so I always heard Derek Thomas's name, but, you know, it wasn't until after he passed away that I really could, could get a sense of um, how important he was. And then I'll just, you know, um, I'll throw out another, another favorite uh, that I've gotten to know, uh, Neil Smith. <laughs> you know, oh, so yeah, I've got the right. I've got the signed football and stuff. He's he's a friend of my uh, stepdad's brother in uh, Independence, Missouri, and so like just this past Fourth uh, of July, we were out hanging out out at their house at the pool, and Neil Smith and like his extended family was hanging out there, and so we played pool volleyball with them and just had a good time. So, um, so yeah, so you know, kind of I don't know too many. Famous people, uh, but that's that's one of them that I've I've I mean it's not like he would see me and really know my name, so I'm not saying I'm on, on that level with him, but enough where if I was to say I'm Ute's son, he would oh yeah hey how's it going you know so that sort of thing. I, I am sure <laughs> that like he goes home and is like dude I met this guy Ben Hitsfield, <laughs> pastor up in St. Joe. Oh yeah. dude, he is just awesome. <laughs> what about you, man? You have any other players that? Oh man, growing up. So I think Barry Sanders. Yeah. So um, because we were from Wichita. Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's kind of a big deal because he was yeah. he was from down there. So I love. I mean, loved watching Barry Sanders play football. Yeah. Um, as far as yeah, Derek Thomas was a big one. Um, I just because they used to play the Creedence Clearwater revival, uh, Andre Rising. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Like I had those memories yeah. of of right. you know Bad Moon Rising. Yeah. Uh, uh, during those years. Right. Um, 
And then let's see some other Chiefs guys. Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, he was he was one that I again I couldn't really appreciate how good he was because I just I was still so young in my Chiefs fandom at the time. So yeah, yeah. So I remember like I used to love using him and. Um, <laughs> Like Tecmo Super Bowl on the Nintendo. <laughs> Was he a beast on that game? Uh, yeah. You know, shed, like, <laughs> guys would try to tackle him, he just shed him. Like, right. He also had the fumble issues, though, in that game. Because oh. every once in a while, they'd knock it out. The stone hands. Yeah. I don't know that he would survive in today's game because oh, of the, the yeah. receiving yeah. roles that wasn't that his. Do, that but. wasn't his thing. Yeah, I guess we got to mention Deion Sanders because he's all all the rage right now as a coach as a coach. Time. Oh my gosh, he is. Dude, he's killing it, dude. Like I knew yeah. either it was going to be a flop or it was going to be this guy's going to take him to a national championship, and I think he will. And especially yeah. them going in the Big Twelve, they're going to be they're going to be cream of the crop in football in the Big Twelve. So. Yeah. Well, I remember him, and it was Bo Jackson that did the two yeah. sports. Yes. That was kind of a big deal. And right. then Dion actually, for a little bit, played both ways. Yeah, that's I mean, right. He was, yeah. he was a great quarterback, uh, uh-huh. but he actually did a little wide receiver several years there. Absolutely. Which was kind of fun. And it's funny. I remember the two sport thing, and then it was a big deal when he started playing wide receiver, yeah. too. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, I think it's just funny that era of football. It's so funny now that the kids are playing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Like we're watching them get yeah. into the pros. So right. Like, um, I who let's see, some guys got drafted last year, and I'm having trouble thinking who they are. But we got like Marvin Harrison G, uh, Jr. Uh, coming up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see these guys yeah. who watched their kids are now like entering the NFL. Yeah. And that's just weird. It is. It makes me feel old. Yeah. That's right. Well, you just did, you did turn forty this year, so. So Brian Urlacher, I gotta we gotta yeah. I gotta be down on him for a second here because he he underwent a hair replacement procedure back in 2016. No, and it's created mm. this incredibly conflicting moment for me, <laughs> um, because during his Hall of Fame speech, the, his bust is this beautiful, beautiful bald head. I mean, that thing is just spank bald, smooth. It was it was a... But mm. when he was inducted, he was wearing that yellow jacket. Yeah. He had hair. And I didn't know what to do with it. Because I got this bust that was like, yeah. okay, there's the guy I remember. And then this guy who I feel like has betrayed his brethren. Very disappointing, um, yeah. Being welcomed into the Hall of Fame. So how do we reconcile yeah. this disconcerting image of the bust... And the man wearing the yellow jacket with hair. Yeah, um, I—that's a really. Um, you would hope that somebody who had such a—that was so iconic for him was his, was his bald head. You know, I mean, you got the Troy Polamalu's of the world who goes on head and shoulder commercials, you know, yeah. as a fearsome safety for the Steelers. But, you know, you got this guy, Brian Erlacher, who just looks like Mr. Clean and he's got the muscles and stuff. Folks. If, if, if you have the ability to rock a bald head like like Brian Erlacher, um, you've got to embrace that stuff. You do. People love that stuff. And again, this kind of goes back to our conversation about we haven't had a bald president since uh, you know being able to uh, show the images of pictures on TV, right? Is that sort of the thing? So our society needs to wake up. There's been discrimination against bald people. And when bald people are part of that, and then you know we're not doing ourselves any favor. No, no favors at all. And it's so weird because that's, like you said, that was his brand. Yeah, it was his brand. It really was. So I can't imagine that he actually increased his endorsement opportunities mm-hmm. by getting a head of hair. Right. 
but I don't know. I, what, what part of your image were you trying to shed, Brian? That's right. If God wanted you to have hair, he would have gave it to you. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I, wow. I love you. I'm going to go watch Kate and remember you as you <laughs> as you were. Been. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So, Brian, thanks for giving us some memories there, dude. We and have salute you. Season, it's good to have you here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> national celebration it is national encouragement today nice day today yeah um so it's observed on september the 12th who knew it's dedicated to encouraging and having a positive impact on those around us the best thing mm. about this day is you can make someone happy simply by giving a few words of encouragement mm. so your words, your words we do they have the power to lift someone up to edify when they're down they also have the power to motivate someone who might be struggling to encourage them and pick themselves back up after a setback. And you don't know what a small act of encouragement could spark in the, in the life of another. Mm. And so let's praise someone efforts today. Let's give them some encouragement uh, because it's a practice worth having. So yes. Mother, how have you seen that like just words of encouragement can be such a powerful tool in the world we live in? The power of life and death rests in the tongue. Now, is there a, uh, that's biblical, but I can't remember exactly. Dude, you're going to get there. You're yeah. in the book of James. You're we are. Well, yeah, because he does, he does talk about taming the tongue. And James is so serious about that that he says the one who controls their tongue um, is one who is uh, perfect, I think is what he says. Something along those lines. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, it all starts with the tongue, with the words that we say. And. And I think we read that and we're like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I better watch what I say. But it's not just like about watching what we say and not saying bad things. Again, that's sort of the negative side of things. And so today, sure. National Celebration Day is not just don't say bad things, but it's about say, <laughs> say good things, like speak good things into the people that you know uh, in your life. And, man, I, yeah, I just I think that's such a simple act and it's so powerful that it's so easily uh we miss the miss the power uh, of encouraging one another um and we miss the impact that other people's encouraging words have been on us so i think this is this is a great day it is i mean i think of like you said there's so many places in scripture that speak of the power of the tongue both like you said a lot of times it can be Mm. hey don't don't rip each people apart because your words can hurt <laughs> sure. but it's like you said it's not it's there's this positive side that there's these wor- words are just powerful yeah yeah and they can't and now i think that's what makes them so so beautiful but also so dangerous um absolutely man and uh i, I there's so many I, I mean i'm trying to think of a letter of paul where he probably doesn't in some form. Sometimes he does long diatribes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's only maybe a couple of verses. But he, I think, almost in every letter will tell the church, hey, you need to encourage one another. You need yeah. to speak well yep. of each other. Or not to complain. Again, he'll use the mm-hmm. negative, but also give that positive yep. uh, promotion. And Absolutely. so that, I think this is something that, I mean, this is, this should be a day that Christians celebrate every day. I think so. <laughs> probably. National uh, Day celebration every day for Christians, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I I think it's important to remember how significant uh, words are. And I I mean, there's so many proverbs on the power of the tongue. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Good ones to go there. 
Um, mm. and, and I, I guess maybe from your own experience, Ben, mm. who, what was an encouragement that was maybe given to you or someone who's spoken to your life, uh, with an encouragement that really maybe changed the trajectory of, of what you choose to do with your life? I'm a pastor today because I had people, youth minister, pastors, my parents, friends have all, you know, at some point in my, in my adolescence said, you ought to be a pastor. You should be a pastor. And I was affirmed in so many ways. And so that's one. And then two, there are people every single week in the, the church and every church I've, I've served in who, after the service, their comments aren't, I liked the message, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, or, you know, or they have a beef about it. And that's okay if people, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. But there are just times where somebody comes up to me and has come up to me with a word of, man, I really, you know, they point out these little things that I just don't think are important. And they mm. say things to me that in the moment, it, it just feels like life, you know? It feels like life is just coursing through. It's a, it's a it's a uplifting experience. And so I want really people to understand um, from, from my perspective how just life-changing that can be. Um, and mm. whether, whether somebody, you know, becomes something that, that you're speaking into them, or maybe it's just for that moment that they just needed sure. to be elevated above their circumstances. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many so many ways, and most of the time people don't even understand or know how important that is. What about you? Amen. Uh, I mean, I think, I think back to Pastor Randy down in Florida. Mm. Uh, he was a guy who, again, just a, a really neat guy who had a lot of cool life experience. So he's running study tours in Israel, had his yeah. PhD in yeah. rabbinic literature, like brilliant guy. Yeah. And he, I, I just, one of the things that sticks with me is in every room we ever went in, because mm. a lot of times I was just kind of his right hand man doing stuff for him, kind of serving whatever ministry he was doing. Mm. He regularly said, this guy will do greater things than me. This mm. guy will do greater things than me. And yeah. I like, it wow. wasn't blowing smoke. Like it was yeah. clear that he really believed that. And so it wasn't that he just said it to me. It was that he off, like I, I saw him and witnessed him affirm that in front of other people all the time. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, sometimes I think he's full of it. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I'm going, I know that he really believed it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. it was to me, that was just something that really shaped me and something that I've tried to do for mm -hmm. others that I'm, uh, kind of influencing or discipling is not to just speak well to them, yeah. um, but also speak encouragement, uh, about them in front of others that yeah. they could witness that. Um, and so that was just one of the mm -hmm. most powerful things. And then, like you said, I think there's been, um, always, uh, a lot of times it's wise women in the church who, yeah. when I'm in a difficult spot mm -hmm. and it's interesting, the encouragement isn't always like, Oh, you'll, you'll be okay. Or pat on the back. Yeah. It's actually like powerfully wise words that probably cut me to the heart. Yeah. But they actually, what they do is unearth something that mm -hmm. I needed to, to hear, yeah. um, to, to grow up and mature past whatever little negative cycle I was in. Mm -hmm. And so I can think of a number of those who uh, just uh, one in particular is Vi Unger up in Spokane, Washington. Mm -hmm. um, she would 
uh, she would she would drop the hard truths on me from time to time, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I remember the first like message. No, it wasn't the first one I gave, but one of the first few messages I gave at uh, Shiloh Hills. She came up to me and goes, "Do you want to know how many ums you had in that one?" Fifty-three. Fifty-three. But she did it in such an it wasn't to tear me down. It was like really to encourage me. Like that was a great message, and you're getting in your own way. Mm. And I I loved it. And so she just she she had a habit of just kind of um, even if my belt buckle was off kilter or my tie wasn't quite the right length, she wanted she wanted me up there looking good and sounding good. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, And so and she always backed it up. The encouragement and the help to get there. So nice. I, I I appreciate that kind of encouragement too. Yeah. That's not just yeah. uh, again, it's not building up with fluff. It's yeah. speaking truth into your life so that you can step into who God created you to be. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Pastor Scott because you know coming in after him here to Wyatt Park, mm. uh, he knew it wouldn't be easy for someone to come in after him, and and he stepping in after Gene Mockaby as as he did. Of course, he had been here for a while. You know, he knew that wouldn't be easy, and so Gene. You know, kind of modeled to him what it looked like to to be there for the successor, and and Scott's done that for me in in multiple ways, and speaking um, just just encouragement to me in, in all sorts of ways. But then also, I've seen that happen. You know, he's been at KQ two at the news station, and mm. um, with a lot of the the coworkers there, him having experience in in radio and many of the things that he does there um, at KQ two, I've seen him really give a boost to some of the younger employees there and some who've gone off to new places that he's been mm. rooting on. And so the other day I just sent him, you know, just kind of sent him a message saying, you know, you just have a way of, of speaking the best into the people in your life. And I see that all over the place. And so just nice. wanted him to, to be aware that, Hey, I, I see that. And I appreciate that, you know, so cheers to you, uh, mm. Pastor Scott. Amen. So there you go, folks, national encouragement day, give someone a call. Stop by, see him. That's right. Give him some encouragement today. You don't know yeah. how you can change a life with your words. That's good. Now, mm. you started a new uh, series this week. Yes. Uh, yes. Growing Pains in the Book of James. Yes. And so this week, uh, you're exploring perseverance. But before we get into the, that specific passage, mm-hmm. as you kind of studied the background of the Book of James, uh, was there anything that you thought was interesting or helpful to just understanding the book as you kind of open it up a deeper study of it. I guess I didn't realize that James, depending on, you know, scholars say probably written sometime mid forties AD. And so if you think about Jesus resurrection, Jesus death in 33 ish, that book is a little more than 10 years after Hmm. Jesus death and resurrection. And so I think the significance of how close it was, plus James being uh, related to to Jesus, and you could see that all throughout the the book. I mean, it reads much like the Gospels. I mean, there's so much stuff that we read, uh, the red letters of Jesus in the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that we see repeated in James. Plus, there's some elements of Proverbs in there as well. It's just an interesting book. It's a wisdom book. It's it's a book of, of gospel teaching. Um, and so I thought that was significant. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of the other things that, that I thought was interesting that I never had, had given thought, it really doesn't play too much into the actual content of the book, was that the, na- the, 
the English name James may not be the most accurate translation of of who he was. Actually, it would be more accurate to say his name was was Jacob. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, the Hebrew was uh, ya- Yaakov, and mm-hmm. and so it's it, that was my first time hearing that. So, hearing anyways, that. Okay. I guess it's just through the years as things have been translated, yeah. different ways it's been translated from uh, from the Hebrew or from Aramaic into Greek into Latin into German or whatever else. It little things got changed and tweaked there so that now we call him James, but it would just be as accurate to say his name as as Jacob. So, interesting. Little tidbit. It is interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. When we, when I when we studied that book uh, at Shiloh, I found because it de- sometimes it feels like the um, the book does feel like you said like wisdom literature, like everything kind of could stand on its own or be preached. And yeah. it was interesting when that that for opening line though to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations. Yeah. And that idea that there might have been persecution mm-hmm. within the early church, particularly in Jerusalem, to where they had to yep. uh, get get out of town. Um, one of the things that got me thinking as I went through that is, are these issues that were being addressed because of mm. the persecution and suffering that they were feeling? And so yeah. as I asked that question, I actually think that might be the thread yeah. that ties all the, the book together. Is there, there are often things that we're tempted to do. Yeah when we're enduring hardship or being persecuted by other people. Mm, And I found that that actually brought some unity to what sometimes felt um, disjointed. Um, And so I don't know, that would be a fun thing as we talk through this book to kind of explore a little further. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, this this passage in particular, uh, again, you just, the the opening um, where he talks about uh, when, when, again, when you face trials of of many kinds, Mm -hmm. uh, you can consider it joy, which is a bold claim. Yeah. Uh, But as you just kind of went through those 12 verses and studied and sat with them and prepared a message, what was something that was just impacting you the most as you kind of thought through that? Just the fact that he starts off the book <laughs> with this, and then even like like verse one isn't even neutral either, because as you mentioned, he's writing to the twelve tribes who are scattered, and so already yeah. the background there is there's there was something that forced them to scatter. It wasn't really necessarily, hey, we're gonna we're gonna move to another part of the world. <laughs> it was usually in in those cases something forced them to leave Jerusalem, and so just starting off with that. Um, and the you know that's a hard way to start start a a letter, um, and so I I kind of pointed that out on on Sunday and read from a few different translations of of verse two talking about consider it as the NIV pure joy brothers and sisters when you face <laughs> trials of many kinds. Um, so yeah, that was that was one just kind of a okay brace yourself because the rest of the book really doesn't get much easier to be honest with you and i had someone come up to me after church on on sunday they reminded me of martin luther's thoughts about the book of james so you i mean you put martin luther in his context and he was pushing back on works-based righteousness and the catholic church they probably abused the book of james the the catholic church probably did um in using it to make Christians think that in order to gain God's favor or to be righteous, they mm. had to probably give 
uh, money, you know, penance, different things um, in order to prove their righteousness. So you can understand why James really didn't like, or why why Martin Luther didn't like the book of James. He called it a uh, a gospel or a book of straw, I think is what what he called it. And he, he didn't think it should have been included in the New Testament because of because of his just how he felt about it, and so mm. someone came up to me after church and and brought that up, and I and I knew about that quote uh, from Martin Luther, and I said, well, if you put it in context, you know, from what Martin Luther was facing from the Catholic Church, he was trying to go back to um, the other side of the coin, because I think that's really right. what James is saying: um, faith without works is dead. Uh, it is is very true, and he goes into into that um, by kind of talking about how you know, show me your your um, faith uh, without works. So, you know, I mean, he really goes into show sure. that I mean, it's faith without works is is just just defunct. Um, and so, I just explained to to the guy on Sunday that um, what James and Paul are talking about are just two sides of the same coin, and yeah. we get in trouble when we just look at one side of the coin and we just elevate grace over works or we elevate works over over grace well that's such a good point to like every letter is written in a context where there's a backstory Mm. and so like in the case of you know james again there's persecution suffering that's maybe leading people to say Mm. you know what i'm not going to live like jesus or i'm not going to do the things that he's called us to do because why would I? It's not working out for me well, yeah. or these people are evil. I'm not going to treat them with kindness or love. And so James has to add that corrective to that mm-hmm. behavior. Whereas in, in, in Paul, if he's got a bunch of legalistic Jews who are demanding, like not only uh, adherence to the way of Jesus, but also a bunch of other laws, yeah. he's going to emphasize oh, grace yeah. and freedom. Um, and so the, the context to which they speak is mm. hugely important. And yeah. I love that you extended that same grace to Martin Luther to give him some understanding yeah. sure. uh, to what he might not have given to the book of James. Sure. Uh, but yeah. yeah, whenever I think that's a good just biblical principle that you're presenting to the listeners here that, hey, every letter they're not just saying theological truths. They're yeah. saying these truths mm. into a context to minister to a people who are struggling with a certain thing. Yeah, it's a good, good reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, right on. Now, you, you had a number of, I think uh, the, my favorite part of your message was maybe all of the different mm. illustrations that popped out yep. um, throughout the message. Yep. And really, uh, you had talked a lot about uh, perseverance through pain, that this hardship and suffering that these people are facing is really a part of mm-hmm. growing up into maturity in the faith. Yeah. And so, I mean, some of the illustrations I picked out, like you talked about human development mm. and a child growing up. Yeah. talked about exercise. Uh, you talked about trees, again, and the, the uh, root depth. Yeah. Um, and then you, you also used a scene from the movie Twister. Yes. And so <laughs> yeah. um, you can talk about any or all of those, but I thought, yeah. you know, how is each or, or <laughs> one of those most helpful in your understanding of this truth about uh, perseverance through pain? Yeah, my favorite was the quote from the entrepreneur. <laughs> Entrepreneurial Learning Center. That's a hard word for me to say, entrepreneurial learning or initiative, I think is what it was. But that, because I had this idea, man, this really goes, the the tree concept popped up in my mind. And so I kind of Googled to see if there was any way that I could back that up, you know, as far as like trees that go through many storms become stronger. And then there was this idea uh, from the newsletter, from that website that talked about scientists were trying to figure out why these trees that were raised in a biodome seem to be more easily uprooted 
than mm-hmm. trees that had grown up naturally, uh, you know, w- without the protection of a dome or a greenhouse. And so it made sense. I loved that idea that uh, the wind, like, tells the tree, you better put your roots down a little bit deeper. Mm. And so it's like that resistance. It's it's the tree feeling the pressure of the wind that causes it to sink down more and and more, you know. And mm. so I thought, oh my gosh, that's so good. And so um, that quote right there, really. And then that led into the twister, uh, talking about the scene with right. the <laughs> being chased by the F five tornado, the two tornado chasers, <laughs> and they're about to get hammered and. In ten forty five service, I was like, "Okay, this probably it probably wouldn't have survived that, but like that's a besides the point, you know." <laughs> so, like, but the, the point is, is that these people, the the quote that I shared on Sunday from the movie was something to the effect of, "These irrigation pipes go down thirty feet into the ground, and so if we attach ourselves to them, we might survive this, you know." And so that was the concept that um, perseverance. Uh, is 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 what it does in us it's almost like this this natural thing that that god uses to cause our roots to go down deeper um and what are our roots going down deeper into well it's 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 into christ um and the point of my message on sunday wasn't that you know if if you're growing in perseverance um if if you're becoming you know, better in that area of your life. It, the point is not that you are more confident in your ability to cope, but that you are uh, becoming more of a trusting person in God's goodness through every mm. situation in life. Um, mm. You know, because I mean, there's some days where we can cope better than others, and uh, and for those who are going through a difficult time mentally through what they're going through, not to feel like you know that they just aren't what God wants them to be, but to realize that we don't stand upon our own strength. Uh, if, if, if we root ourselves, if we tie ourselves to um, the rock that is Christ, um, Jesus is our perseverance, really. <laughs> he's, 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 he's the one that uh, we, we rely on his perseverance. And, um, and so, yeah, that was sort of my, my takeaway for, for the folks, was um, if, for us to become people who are... Um, who persevere through things, that mm. means we are people who know where our strength is found, and that is in Christ and his, his spirit. He is, he is an anchor in the storm. That's and it. it. Like that, yeah. it's such a, it is a big challenge, but it's like you said, point, like when we view him as the anchor, yeah. again, if you think about what these people are going through, the, mm. the tough trials, the persecution, yeah. we're able to do it because we have a God who did it before us. Yeah. Um, and again, if we're going to follow him into that, if we're right. going to pick up our cross daily, yeah. it means kind of embracing that. And I, I like yeah. it's, it's a huge challenge when I think of he says like you're like one who you know is tossed about the seed. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you if you're unwilling to do that, it's like man, that's the that's the tough call of following Jesus into suffering. That yeah. I feel like uh, again for a lot of times in a, a cultural uh, when we uh, we've talked a lot about uh, culture comfort mm. we don't like talking about that one but it's sure. it's a high demand <laughs> yeah. and like you said James doesn't give you much before he gets into it right he gets he, greetings that's yeah. what you get <laughs> Paul will be like grace and peace and to the God of our Father who yeah. da, 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 da. no James greetings and by the way um, yeah 
Yeah. Consider joy. And I think it's, <laughs> you know, it really the, I think it's verse three or four where he says, rejoice in, in your trials because it's what, what it's producing in you is this, the, the perseverance is at work in your life, you know, through those, those things. And, and so I shared also from Romans five, how Paul, you know, talks about how, uh, really the same thing we glory in our sufferings because we know our sufferings produce perseverance and perseverance character mm. and character hope you know and so it's it's um there's just an interesting correlation of things that the, the trial the, the world that we live in is is broken and none of us have the option to live in a greenhouse or a biodome and so mm. god has seen fit that through the the brokenness of of this world those who have their eyes on him can look at troubles and trials as an opportunity to grow closer and to know Christ uh, even more, as Paul would say um, in, I'm trying to think what, what book that was, um, where he, he talks about, um, oh gosh, was it Philippians? Is it Philippians yes. where he... You know what I'm trying to say. What is, well, man, yeah. now it's it just no, it, yeah. Because if it's a Philippians three, he talks, he so. talks about like finishing well, and it's yeah. Um, I haven't. He says I haven't reached the finish line yet, and it's like yeah. he's just come out of talking about the incredible amount of suffering he's been through. Yeah, and it's almost like the finish line is like when they kill me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when I've arrived. Yeah, and then of course, then the last verse in in the text on Sunday was was chapter twelve, and it talks about. Um, the one who who stands firm to the end will receive the crown of life, and mm. so you know there is something at the end of our life that makes everything that we go through on this earth for however long we live, where we will be able to look back and say it was all worth it, and mm. that's Amen. it's hard for us. I mean, it's I know it may be hard for somebody to to have that perspective uh, on a day-to-day basis. But um, that's that's the ho- that's really part of the hope that the Christian has, and I think that's also the witness of the New Testament and, and even folks in, in the Old Testament knowing that there was, there was going to come a day something better, <laughs> much, much better uh, than, than this current existence, this current age. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point because I think sometimes we undermine – what the Bible often does, whether it's Paul or Jesus, or in this case, James is like reminding people there's a reward for this. Yes, there is. It's almost like we feel bad about like saying that that's a motivator. Uh The Bible uses that as a motivator so often that I think we need to, we need to, it's not a selfish or wrong thing. Um, and so it's like you said, keep your eye on the prize, folks, when yeah. you're going through something difficult, and, and believe that that hope and that promise oh, and yeah. that uh, reward mm. that Jesus says is coming will come. New creation, baby. It's going to be there. Amen. Good stuff. Awesome. I, you know, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this book because it's just a, it's such a it's such a good one. Thank you for thank you for leaving behind. This is like like Aaron's last like you know you kind of like gave us the outline there, and so we're just kind of going off of off of your creative work that you left with us. So I appreciate that. That was good. Hey, I love it. You're doing a great job with it. <laughs> I appreciate it. it. That's All right. right. Uh, so this week at Harvest, we studied uh, Exodus uh, 2, and yes. uh, Eric Bolger, who is an elder at Harvest, uh, who's also a dean of the College uh, of the Ozarks. Nice. 
Um, yeah. And he preached uh, this week, and he uh, his message was titled Moses and Human Identity. Mm. And so he kind of started off showing about how uh, throughout the course of history, um, quoting a number of people, uh, that the knowledge of God is essential to the knowledge of self. Yeah. And I just I pulled one quote that I thought was worth sharing um, from David Banner and his work, The Gift of Being Yourself. He says this, he says, our true self, the self we are becoming in God is something we receive from God. Any other identity is of our own making and is an illusion. Mm. Knowing ourselves must therefore begin by knowing the self that is known by God. Mm. Um, and so just that importance. And so he used that as a launching point to talk about uh, Exodus 2 and showed how Moses' early life really was one of identity crisis, yeah. if you think about it, right? He was born a Levite, right. but was put in that basket and then rescued into Pharaoh's household. Mm. And then he grows up. So he's a, he's a Hebrew, a Levite, growing up in an Egyptian household. <laughs> and then in the story where he sees an Egyptian, right, uh, being cruel to one of his Hebrew brothers, so he kills him. Uh, but then the Hebrew brothers end up rejecting him, mm. like in the following story. And so it's like he's rejected, by, and then he's run out of town by Pharaoh. So he's rejected by the Hebrews, he's rejected by huh. um, Egypt. He ends up in Midianite, huh. or in the Midianite territory, yeah. and they kind of embrace him a little bit. Um, and he marries a Midianite woman. And so he's got, I'm sure, all sorts of questions. <laughs> like, am I a shepherd? Am yeah. I a prince? Am I a Hebrew? Am I a Levite? Like, it's just not identity crisis and so yeah. uh, i'm sure he had a, a more than a few questions mm. uh, about who he was yeah and so he kind of worked through the text and i'll just give you the highlights of mm. he showed that moses's identity um there are truths about him that mm. are really true about all of us and he talked about how moses was created in god's image yeah he was defined by God's promise of who he was to become, and he was formed by God's presence, which really is, we don't get into that until Exodus 3 next week. Sure. Um, but those three truths, I think, were really helpful to, to for us to step back and go, okay, of mm -hmm. our, our true identity known by God, it's understanding that we're created in his image, yeah. defined by what he has said and promised, and formed by actually spending uh, time with him in his presence. Mm. So I just thought we could talk a little bit about yeah. what, why is it that knowing God is so key to discovering who we really are? Yeah, I'm thinking about when God called Moses and gave him his name. Uh, you have the name translates, I am who I am. And so one of the things that Moses wanted to know, like, who am I telling the Israelites? Like, who, who's mm. sending me? <laughs> like, you know, like, how are they going to believe me? And, and it wasn't so much about God telling Moses, well, you know, tell them this about your, like, it wasn't about building up Moses's resume, but it was about telling them that I am sent you, like the one who is being and existence it's the one who gives life and breath to all people is the one who who sent you and so uh i mean just as like as christians when we say we are when we say we are christians what does that mean i mean and so you think about what what the, the word christian the roots of it this idea that we are little christs and so why is it important to know who jesus was well, if we're going to call ourselves little little Christ, mm -hmm. what does it look like to be a little Christ? How did he live? How did he? Uh, what was his methodology? What what did he value? And so the same same would be for uh, anyone who was was a, a God fearer, whether whether a Jewish person in the Old Testament, um, as if if God is sending you to 
well, you think about Jonah, right? And mm. and so like God wanted Jonah to know that I'm merciful and I'm I'm a compassionate God, and so when I send you to to Nineveh, like you're mm. supposed to show them that by offering them a chance to repent and and turn around instead of, you know, Jonah would have just rather had God just destroy them right then and there, you know, to to take out his judgment right then and there. And so a big part of knowing who we are um, and what we're called to do can go awry if we don't have a right concept of who God is. Um, mm. so a lot of times we kind of create God in, in our own image and make God to be out like us, whereas the whole point of <laughs> the scriptures and the humanity wrestling all throughout the scriptures is that God is is higher and, and above our ways and so you know we wrestle with that um, throughout our entire life and we will always wrestle uh, with that but really until we know um, have a concept of who God is um, yeah I mean we're gonna ha- deal with identity crisis throughout our lives um, man if we're made in his image you know if, if you believe that you're made in God's image um, then that's that's going to be a key to who we are man as you're talking I'm sitting here thinking like because we have that tendency to make God in our in our own image or in the image that we would like him to be yeah. it's interesting if we're made to be images of God to the world to represent him it's yeah. like there's some piece of himself that he wants to make known to the world by the unique makeup that each of us are and our tendency to want to cover over that or be something different is actually like putting forth an idol to the world in a sense. And that's just, I mean, I hadn't thought Mm -hmm. about it in those terms, but there's something in the way that you were talking about that, that that was Mm. the image that popped into my head that like, even when I, Again, try to be something other than what God created me to be. Yeah. I'm actually, rather than being that representative of whatever character, uh, part of his character, nature, yeah. that really, like, he highlights through my unique makeup and gifts, yeah. I'm actually covering over that in some sense. Sure. Uh, or fashioning an idol of the world instead. Mm. And so not only am I misrepresenting myself, right. in a sense, I'm mi- misrepresenting him. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah, so Jesus, what, what it says in coffee. Colossians, that Jesus was the the image of the invisible God. The Greek is like icon. And so, yeah. you know, the Moses was angry when he went down from the mountain, and Aaron and, and the rest of them <laughs> made the go. You know, so there's this, this uh, forbidden practice of making these icons and images of God but then Jesus comes, and Jesus is the exact representation. He is the icon. He's the idol um, that we're to look to and, and see God. And so then we, as little Christs, um, we're not going to be the the exact representation of of God. But we get to be a little little hints and little clues, a foretaste, hopefully, uh, for for who God is. And another thing, thinking about understanding who God is, so we can know ourselves. You think about the different things in our lives, the ways that we live and the ways that we think, and if you trace it back to your family line and if you know your parents and you know your grandparents and you know, uh, it makes a lot more sense sometimes mm. when when we understand our fallenness in relation to the line that we come from. You know, we're all from a broken, broken mm. family lines and stuff. And so hopefully in the opposite direction, in a more positive way, because we are images, offsprings mm. of the living God, there are those little seeds of 
we were created original goodness there before our fall, and those mm-hmm. still exist, um, but they're just they're marred by sin and, and our own rebellion and choice. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I love I love that that concept that especially that David Benner quote. Um, I, I'll post that in the show notes for people to read because that's really yeah, powerful. That's a good, I mean, now it makes me want to go pick up that book and, and see what else he has to say. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Maybe you can speak from your own experience because I probably have a few stories I could share on, sure. on this note too. So how, how have you seen, again, uh, people trying to define their own identity rather than, again, receiving their identity as a gift from God kind of go terribly wrong for them? Or and maybe and maybe you have a story from your own life even. But Yeah. It, I think some of it we see in our culture right now with this desire to um, define ourselves by what we feel inside, mm. um, whether that, you know, and, and obviously the, the big thing in our culture right now is the the transgender conversation, and, and sure. some of that speaks to that. I'm reading a good book right now from Preston Sprinkle on the topic called Embodied, mm. and, you know, so Preston Sprinkle talks a lot about how... Um, Really, we need to get back to the truth that that what God has created us to be. I mean, we're all so so diverse um, in our creation and our thinking, um, and for us to celebrate our differences, um, you know, like me as 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 a man compared to you know um, a football player, Brian Erlacher. <laughs> You know, like if I defined, you know, my masculinity compared to Brian Erlacher, you know, I might say, well, I'm not as much of a man as as Brian Erlacher, right? But that's that's not, you know, so th- there's this. Th- what, I guess this is what we all wrestle with. Um, You're secure enough to keep a bald head. That's right. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. So I, you know, what I what I would like to get people to to really understand about themselves is that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and you know as 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 you are you're fearfully and wonderfully made that doesn't mean you're you're perfect and that you don't sin it's just that god took great joy in in creating you as a person and gave you the the ways that you are different from other people um god wants to use that to hopefully share with others a little bit piece of, of who he is. And so, you know, not one person gets to say, I am the, you know, I have everything um, and every trait that uh, reveals to the world who God is, but together, and I guess this is when we think about the church as the body of Christ and the idea that Paul talks about um, some people are, you know, the foot, some people are the mm-hmm. hand, uh, some people are the eyes, and we are incomplete separately but together we get to kind of bring together a bigger picture of who, of who god is amen yeah and i think that's it it's like you said when we try to define that for ourselves yeah. rather than discover yeah. what what god has naturally wired into us mm. i think we just we create a, a pressure and a burden that we we're never yeah. meant to to carry yeah um right and i, I don't think it's ever gonna feel truly fulfilling yeah. to us. Um, 
and and we, and we miss out on the the beauty yeah. of God, what God has actually prepared right. uh, for us. And I think where we're going in the Moses story, it's like God will will talk about, hey, we're, I'm going to uh, deliver. Uh, or Israel out of Egypt, um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to use you, Moses. And like when he lays out that whole plan, mm-hmm. Moses uh, he asks the question, "Who am I that that yeah. this would happen?" Yeah. And what I love is what God doesn't say is, "Well, Moses, you're yeah. actually a uniquely created individual where, yeah. that I put in, like a Hebrew from right. a priestly family who I put into Egypt." And he is. I think all yeah. of his experiences and all the things he's sure. gone through as a shepherd and everything are going to prepare him very uniquely for what God's about to do, yeah. but that's actually not where God starts. Yeah. He goes, I'll be with you. Yeah. Yep. That's the <laughs> ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, I think there are a lot of evidence that God was going to use everything that was creating the identity crisis in Moses was actually shaping him to be uniquely equipped for the work that God yeah. was kind of calling to. Absolutely. But I love that. That's not even what God mentions. Yeah. Yeah. He just says, I'm with you. Yeah. Just trust me. Right. Absolutely. Just go along with it. And so I think that's like, that's it's good. so easy to go, well, why did God make me like this? Or why did he give mm. me this? And just go, you know what? Just just trust that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I have those thoughts all the time. Like, sure. I mean, I, uh, again, I wasn't, uh, I've never been probably the most uh, attractive individual on the face of the earth or like even the most gifted in a, a variety of areas. And it's so easy to go yeah. like, Lord, why did you yeah. make me like this? And sure. um I think the sooner we just trust God, the, you know what? You, you had a purpose for it. Mm. And I, there's one video that I always thought was so powerful on this, and it's mm. called, um, it's the Austin Stone Church mm. uh, put this mm-hmm. together. And they would highlight uh, testimonies from people in their church. Uh, but there was this one called The Gift of Cerebral Palsy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's a powerful story where this guy looks and, and he says, you know, people were like, talk to him about like, how do you kind of endure this? Or do you ever struggle with this, you know, having cerebral palsy? And he Mm. goes, God made me like this on purpose. Mm. Like, why, why would I want to be? And and when I think about being on purpose, how can I not help but praise God for the gift of cerebral palsy? And I'm like, Wow. Oh, I yep. need to go back and reevaluate how I, I view myself sure. and how God's created me. Yeah. And I just always felt like that captured that truth so importantly that, um, again, God didn't make mistakes. And like sure. you said, whether it's your your height or your skin color or mm. your gift set or, yeah. y- again, your your gender, like all of those things, yep. including every part of our body, mm-hmm. which I think is what Preston's you know, really yeah. hammering, yep. is a part of God's good design mm-hmm. for our purpose in the world. Yeah, I think so too. That's a good, good thought for sure. And it's, and it's, it's relevant. It's timely for, for the time that we're living in right now, you know, um, to find our identity grounded in, in Christ. And I think if, if we can, if we can lean into that, we'll find ourselves. Amen. Well, brother, any final thoughts this week as things the Lord's been doing or anything else or, um, you know, we're going to be starting a Vespers uh, group on Sunday night. Ooh. So, yeah, we'll be reading some of the lectionary texts and having some some guided prayer, probably do some breath prayers through the Psalms as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that on Sunday. You guys have anything? You guys uh, have some, some new stuff or anything that you're wanting to plug for your folks there 
So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on getting, we, we do this great sermon discussion, but the, we have this great problem of like uh, more and more people showing up, yeah, which is really kind of cool. It's a good problem. Um, yeah. And so it's, but it's making the room uh, kind of tight. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, it's been a while since they do what they call Timothy classes around yeah. here, Richard. It's just kind of educational classes. Sure. Um, and so we're, to, we're um, working on drawing some of those up, hopefully mm. come, uh, this fall. Yeah. And so, uh, people can look forward to some of those. Um, awesome. I don't want to uh, over promise yet cause I still got to confirm sure. with the elders that we're doing this. So, but that, those should be coming. And then like on the beginning of October, we're doing a big community day here at the church, okay. um, October the 7th, uh, from four to eight on a Saturday. And so Very that should nice. be fun. We're going to do bounce house and Ooh. hot dogs and just hang out and have a great time as a whole church. So. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, you guys just did that this past Sunday, didn't you? So we did a at picnic park? at the park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we did. Right. We kind of uh, recognized our our uh, life service uh, honorees there. Yeah, so it was it was a good time. And I think we're gonna probably do a, a bonfire out at the Windmires. I gotta confirm with them when they want to do that. But we'll do that probably here in October sometime. So good time. There you go. I mean, there's probably James talks about a refining fire at some point, doesn't he? There you go. We we'll have to look for it. Yeah, there there's yeah. hide in there. There you go, nice. man. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, we just we hope you have a blessed week and beware of those bears. Grace and peace out.